Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you. What is going down in Canada? We've seen a lot of reports uh, lately about craziness in Canada. In fact, um, I think there was another uh, case where Canadians were just fed up with... We saw the video, of course, the police being kicked out of that church. The one other church being surrounded by a fence and... 200, you know, riot-geared police officers coming to stop Christians from tearing it down. Just There's a lot of stuff going on up there to get a better understanding of it all. We invited Kennedy Hall from the Fatima Center to be on our program today, who is Canadian, lives in Canada, and can give us some understanding of what is going on in Canada. Also, breaking news, breaking news, uh, Democrats to unveil legislation to pack the Supreme Court with four more Supreme Court justices. That ought to be fun. That ought to work well for America. And then uh, there's another story here. Prominent Jesuit calls for young people to be banned from going to the Latin Mass. That ought to be interesting conversation or what's concerning us. And then, of course, another story. A Planned Parenthood abortionist is also the chief of staff at a Catholic hospital in the state of Washington. So much to get into today on Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. We're glad you're here. We're going to have a full-packed hour. And, of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning. I was happy to see this morning Bishop Rick Sticka sticking up for the the Latin Mass and saying people should be allowed to go to the Latin Mass in regard to that uh, the Jesuit priest who was saying we shouldn't. Amen. So I'm grateful for bishops who are are able to stand up for um, for the liturgy and the reverence. Yeah, praise God. We'll jump into that probably in their What's Concerning Us section coming up. But uh, talking about sticking up, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, good to be here. It's as good to be here as always. And uh, I'm excited to talk to Kennedy Hall today. So yeah, I'm, praise it's going to be a great show. Uh, it is going to be a great show. We're very excited. Uh, so Kennedy Hall is our guest in our guest segment. Of course, we'll have a, a breaking news segment coming up in a moment. We'll have a... Uh, you know, saint of the day, gospel of the day, plus, as I said, the what's concerning us. And then in our second hour, if you are at all able to join us, we surely would love to have you on board uh, because we are still doing our fear and trembling game show. And we have a brand new prize this week. Our sponsor is studiosen.com. That's S-E-N-N, Studio Sen. They've generously given us an item to give to one of you, our incredible Catholic Drive Time listeners. And we, we do that through our fear and trembling game show in our second hour. If, of course, you're able to join us, we would love to see you there. And then we will have a, an after show in the second half of our second hour where you get to drive the conversation. You can, of course, find more information about everything we do and links to our um, social platforms, all of that stuff on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. All right, let's jump into it. Whatever is on your heart, we're going to be praying for you and for your intentions today. Uh, whatever your needs are, of course, I'm praying for our team here, the needs of our show. I'm praying uh, for the needs of our radio apostolates at the Station of the Cross, as well as the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we're asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray and intercede for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. 
Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcrez. A Jesuit priest who is president of an all-boys high school in New York City has been removed after the board of trustees determined he engaged in inappropriate, non-consensual sexual misconduct with several adults, including subordinates. Anthony DeNovi, chair of the Regis High School Board of Trustees, announced the removal of Father Daniel Lehart, S.J., from his position as school president. The 59-year-old Lehart had been president since 2016. DeNovi said the board had put Lehart on administrative leave on February 28th. After learning of allegations, he had acted inappropriately with adult members of the Regis community. The board hired a third-party investigator to review the claims. Father Late Hart previously served for 14 years as president of the Houston, Texas School Strake Jesuit College Preparatory. The Archbishop of Port-au-Prince has called for the release of 10 people who were kidnapped in Haiti on Sunday and are being held for ransom. Five priests, two nuns, and three lay people were abducted at Croix de Bouquet, a suburb of Port-au-Prince, on April 11th. According to local news, they were taken while on the way to attend the installation of a parish priest. According to Haitian media, the 400 Mawazo gang admitted culpability for the kidnapping and is demanding $1 million in ransom. Two of the kidnapped, one priest and one nun, are citizens of France. In addition to rising gang violence, Haiti has also been affected by other crises, including natural disasters and a lack of healthcare infrastructure to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. And the Vatican's Congregation for the Causes of the Saints has denied an accusation that an official asked for money to advance the beatification cause of an Italian statesman murdered in 1978. A postulator whose work is to guide a diocese through the canonization process in Rome accused the undersecretary of asking him for a bribe in June of 2018 to advance the beatification cause of former Italian Prime Minister Aldo Moro. On April 9th, the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints said it had received notice in April of 2018 that the promoters of Moro's cause had revoked the mandate of postulator Nicola Giampaolo and assigned someone new. The undersecretary of the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints, Father Go- Boguslav Turek, told the jor- journalists of Report last week that the Vicariate of Rome had not been authorized by the Congregation to open Moro's beatification cause. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Blessed Caesar de Bus, pray for us. A blessed Caesar was born on the 3rd of February, 1544, in Cavignon, France. He was a middle child, the seventh of 13 children, and raised as a pious child. He became a soldier, though, at 18, and fought in the war against the Huguenots, He joined the Navy to fight in the siege of La Rochelle, but illness kept him from the fight. He lived for three years in Paris, devoted to poetry and painting and to wild and frivolous living. Sound familiar? 
Back in his hometown of Cavagnon, he took over the position of his late brother as canon of Salon, a position he wanted for its income and connections instead of its spiritual significance. But one night, while on his way to a masked ball, he passed a shrine where a small light was burning before an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He was suddenly overwhelmed by the memory of a friend, and a lady by the name of Antoinette, who had prayed fervently for his salvation. He realized that there was no way he could live a life offending God and then expect to be accepted in the end, and there on the road he had a complete conversion. He was ordained in 1582. He became the canon of Avignon. He was profoundly affected reading a biography of St. Charles Borromeo and tried to take him as a model in all things, especially his devotion to catechesis. Blessed uh, Cesar worked as a catechist in an area of turmoil following the religious wars, and St. Francis de Sales called him a star of the first magnitude in the firmament of catechesis. He would found the Ursulines of Providence and the Fathers of the Christian Doctrine, or the Doctrinarians. The Fathers, however, were destroyed during the French Revolution, except for one house, one Italian branch that continues to this day, as well as in France and in Brazil. He died on Easter Sunday on the 15th of April, 1607, in Avignon. He was beatified on the 7th of April, 1975, by Pope St. Paul VI. Blessed Cesar Debus, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of earthly things. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever does, whoever does accept his testimony certifies that God is trustworthy, for the one whom God sent speaks the words of God. He does not ration his gift of the Spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given everything over to him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This, of course, is a uh, continuation from yesterday, and it's still the same sort of themes and powerful message here about belief and unbelief. You know, there seems to be a contrast, according to the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, Scott Hahn, Curtis Mitch, uh, there seems to be a, a contrast here between, in the beginning of this passage, uh, between earth and heaven and a reference uh, to John the Baptist in his ministry, his earthly ministry of baptism, and that of Jesus in his heavenly ministry of elevating baptism to a sacrament. You know, and we started off this passage in John chapter 3 talking about how one had to be baptized in order to the, enter the kingdom of heaven. So, there's a lot of uh, themes going on there, very powerful. But St. Augustine would say this, But what is it? which the Son hath heard from the Father. Hath he heard the word of the Father? Yea, but he is the word of the Father. Let that sink in for a moment. 
when it's referring to God the Father and the Son. And sometimes you'll run into people who will try to point to verses that are similar to this, and they'll try to make distinctions between God the Father and God the Son, or Jesus, and then they'll try to twist it to make it seem as though Jesus is purely human and is, you know, not a part of the Trinity. And nothing could be further from the truth, according to St. Augustine, at least. He says, yea, but he is the word of the Father. He is the word of the Father. Chrysostom thinks that John here is alluding to unbelief from the disciples themselves. He thinks that this powerful passage is first a reference to the, the unbelief amongst disciples. He would say this, But we must not think that even a right belief on Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is sufficient for salvation. For we have need of a good life and, co- and conversion. Knowing then that the greater part are not moved so much by the promise of good as by the threat of punishment, he would go on to say, see how he refers to the Father again when he speaketh of punishment. He saith not the wrath of the Son, though the Son is judge, but maketh the Father the judge in order to alarm men more. He's speaking about the disciples, about believers. Have you given over complete uh, assent? So faith in Christ has to mean completely giving yourself over mind, body, and soul of your will. You can claim to know and, and acknowledge the Trinity. You could claim to know these. I, I believe Jesus is God and he died for sinners. Great. Has that transformed your life? Has it transformed your decisions? Has it transformed the way you think and act in this world and the life that you're living? It, I mean, the devil acknowledges the Trinity. A lot of good that's done him, right? Let me read to you, uh, as I wrap up here, let me read to you this from commentary directly from the commentary here, the St. Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. Again, it's a Scott Hahn Curtis Smith commentary. And it says, uh, in regards to verse 36 here, believes does not obey. This is what it says. Listen to this carefully. Quote, faith is exercised when we trust in God and entrust ourselves to God because it involves both the assent of the mind and the consent of the will. It can never be a purely intellectual decision that exists independently of one's behavior. It is because faith and faithfulness are two sides of the same coin that, uh, that the opposite of faith is not just unbelief, but disobedience. The opposite of faith becomes rebellion. The opposite of faith becomes rebellion. Let's make a choice today. Let's chew on the gospel, meditate, and ask for the Holy Ghost to come and inspire us, to lead us to truth. That was the promise. Let's give our fiat to God today in all things. Let us be faithful. Choose Him in mind, in body, and in spirit. Don't go anywhere on the other side of this break. Catholic Drive Time is coming back with a What's Concerning Us section. A lot of Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. We'll be right back. Atheists often argue they don't need to give reasons for their position because they simply lack a belief in God. The assumption being theists alone have the burden of proof. But is this rational? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Atheism can't simply be a lack of belief. Dogs lack belief in God, but that doesn't make dogs atheists. Atheism makes a claim about the world. Namely, God doesn't exist. As such, atheists, along with theists, must shoulder the burden of proof. 
Even if an atheist says he simply hasn't found any good evidence for God, he would still have to prove why the evidence theists give for God is not good evidence. No matter how an atheist looks at it, he can't sit the sidelines when it comes to defending his position on the question of God's existence. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I am your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you this morning. Coming up in 20 minutes or so, we're going to be talking with Kennedy Hall from the Fatima Center about what in the world is going on in Canada. I mean, I just saw a report there. Police have arrested journalists and uh, just there's all kinds of crazy stories coming out of Canada. So we wanted more information, a uh, better context. And uh, Kennedy lives in Canada, is Canadian. So we thought, well, hey, let's get him on. And he is going to be our guest coming up. So we'll be talking about what the real deal is in Canada pretty soon. But uh, joining us in this uh, What's Concerning Us section here uh, is the team. But we're talking about several stories that are in the news that are concerning to me and to the team here um, from a Catholic perspective. And I got to tell you, LifeSite News pl- uh, reporting Planned Parenthood abortionist is also the chief of staff at a Catholic hospital in Washington makes my mind twist and contort in weird ways. Like, I don't understand. Help me understand. Say that one more time. Planned Parenthood abortionist is also chief of staff at Catholic hospital. How could this be? How is it possible? I don't understand. Here's what the article says. Let me read this a little bit to you. It says, uh, reported again, LifeSite News by Patrick Delaney. Pro-life activists in the state of Washington have recently discovered that a Planned Parenthood abortionist also serves as chief of staff at a local Catholic hospital. Uh, Autumn Lindsay, the student spokesman for the Students for Life of America, SFLA, and a coordinator of her local 40 Days for Life campaign in Bellingham, Washington, authored a March 29th statement describing her discovery that Planned Parenthood abortionist Anna Dowling is not only the payroll is not only on the payroll of St. Joseph Medical Center, a Catholic hospital in the Peace Health Medical System, but is also its chief of staff. In a SFLA video, which is linked up in the article, Lindsay affirmed this arrangement is unaccept- unacceptable since the killing of children is a violation of humanity. <laughs> Yay and amen. Yes, it is. And Hippocratic Medicine, which is committed to healing no matter what, no matter the patient's size or age, and um, such sound medical practice never intentionally kills or harms the patient. Yay and amen. We'll link to the article so you can read it in in detail for yourself. You can read the whole thing. But at the end of the day, my mind twists because I don't understand. As Catholic institutions and organizations, we do believe what we profess to believe, don't we? I mean, we just talked about the gospel, about how faith is not enough. I mean, faith is where we start, 
But you could have faith in, oh, I, I agree. Jesus Christ died for sinners on the cross. Now let me go and commit mortal sins. It, these things don't equate. These things don't aren't this. No. It's, it's insane. I don't understand why Catholic institutions aren't simply being Catholic. And I, I have a similar story over here on this end as well. They here I saw from Forbes.com, so they're not exactly going to be like it's not a Catholic source. And they're talking about the Biden administration is about is uh, fighting to allow abortion pills via telemedicine and mail. So that means uh, that any woman could just call up on uh, on their uh, Zoom meeting with their with their healthcare provider or whatever it is, and they would just simply prescribe them the abortion pill uh which if you don't know the abortion pill what it does it doesn't prevent you from getting pregnant it kills the baby yeah there are so many abortions that happen this way it's kind of mind-blowing because whenever we look at the statistics of how many babies are born are aborted and killed every year this does not account for all of the different uh abortion pills that people can take that kill the babies. And so the numbers are really much smaller than the reality is. Uh, it's quite kind of mind blowing. And the way this works is we, they're going to mail you instead of you having to uh, come up and pick it up. They said, because of COVID, uh, we're going to make the laws easier. So that way people can just hop on the phone, <clears throat> call their healthcare provider and get abortion pills mailed to them. And people are describing this as mailed a death. Because yeah. you're really—that's literally what you're doing. You're you're having a quote catastrophic lo loss of life by mail. Yeah, that's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. Mind blowing. I, I've re I reported this before. I've talked about this on several occasions uh, in the past. Uh, the RU was it the RU four eighty six pill, which is the abortion pill that they they've been mailing those to teenage girls without verifying um, a lot of information. And that's the problem with the telemedicine uh, is that there are a lot of um, imperfections in the way that this is done and uh, people are getting prescribed the craziest things um, this way i mean i <laughs> yeah i remember when my my dad was sick earlier this year they wouldn't let him come to the doctor's office so he did a telemedicine and they were like oh well i mean you might just have like a a some kind of like you might just need antibiotics so we can't really tell from here but we're gonna subscribe you antibiotics yeah and it's just like <laughs> it's like what <laughs> It's insane. Weird. We live, I mean, just if you, to verify that we live in diabolical times, just go through and read headlines for a while. I mean, I, this morning I was reading samples of headlines that we, because we all have to dive into these stories and just reading the headlines by themselves, you realize that you live in diabolical, crazy times. And um, it, I think it should awaken in each of us that need, that passion, that zeal for fasting, prayer, and penance. Uh, going to confession on a very regular basis. Every two weeks is my practice, generally speaking, um, except for when I mess it up. But uh, we need to be stepping up our game here. Now, here's another story. Planned Parenthood abortionist. No, hold on. That's the different story. This one here. Prominent Jesuit calls for young people to be banned from traditional Latin mass. Oh, oh, real quick, Joe, uh, yeah. before we move on, I just wanted to say just because I think it's important. If you go to abortion pill rescue. Dot, uh, dot com abortion pill reversal sorry abortion pill reversal dot com anyone that you know that has taken the pill and regretted it there is a time span where you can go and you can uh, reverse the abortion 
uh, if you act quickly. It's very high statistics of people who take the pill and immediately regret it. So if you know anybody who is thinking about taking the abortion pill, uh, let them know they can reverse it. The abortion pill reversal dot com is a place to go to check that out. All right. Let me read this story or part of it. Just the first part of this story. Again, it's uh, published by LifeSite News. Prominent Jesuit calls for young people to be banned from traditional Latin mass. Published by Michael Haynes over at LifeSite News. That quote, the dissident former editor of Jesuit run America magazine, Fa- Father Thomas J. Ressi, S.J., has launched a scathing attack on traditional Catholics and the traditional Mass, declaring that the form of the Mass, which was the norm before Second Vatican Council, should disappear and the children should be banned from attending it. Uh, Father Reese's April 13th piece appeared in at Religion News Service and was entitled, quote, The Future of Catholic Liturgical Reform, unquote. He hailed the, quote, revolutionary liturgical reforms, unquote, which were proposed by Vatican II and further by Pope St. Paul VI, declaring that it was now time for a second phase in the implementation. Reese thus offered his own arguments as a way to get the conversation going on the topic and asking liturgical scholars to consider his proposals. Uh, the former editor of America Magazine began by calling for the incorporation of contemporary culture in the Catholic Church's liturgy, saying that the various bishops' conferences should gather to scholars, gather scholars, poets, musicians, artists, pastors, to develop liturgies for their specific cultures. Liturgy becomes uh, boring and dies, he says, if out of touch with local culture, he declared, unquote. Now, we talked a little bit about this yesterday with our guest, Father Jeffrey Kirby, about the sentimentality, the, the trap of sentimentality. And... Thinking that we are the center of of liturgy and worship, our experience, our person, like how we see things, what we want, and versus uh, giving God what is due to him, what we owe him out of the virtue of justice to give him adoration and worship. That is what's owed to him. We have to give to give what we owe to people, right? We owe a debt, we pay a debt. And um, and I, it's, it's, this is insane. You want to ban the Latin Mass, and you want to prevent, you want to forbid children from young people from having to attend Mass. And I think the reality is, whether you like it or not, whether you agree to it or not, whether you attend a Latin Mass or not, put that to a side for a second. Pause that. Put a pin in that and hold that off to the side for one moment. The reality is, when we look at the statistics, people are flocking, young people are flocking to more traditional forms of piety. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. If you go back and you look at the statistics, if you go to the CARA statistics on Georgetown University's website, and you look at the past 50 years, now forget about Vatican II, just look at the past 50 years of how many religious vocations there are, how many priestly vocations there are, how many parishes are open, uh, and how many sacramental marriages are being said, uh, are had, and how many sacramental baptisms are, are said. And you're going to realize very quickly, looking at those stats, it's terrible news. Religious orders have been decimated. Priestly vocations are down. Parishes are shuddering. Sacramental marriages are done. They're devastated. Sacramental baptisms are devastated. Catholic schools are shutting down. Those are the stats. 
they are kept by Kara. You can look at them yourself, Google it, go to Google, type in uh, Church Statistics Kara Georgetown. You'll find them. You can look at it yourself, I promise you. You'll be able to read the data by yourself. And Joe, the, the thing that concerns me about this article, I want to read a, uh, just a line from it. Bishops were given the authority to suppress it in their diocese. This is just false. That's not, that's not true at all. He said, and then Benedict came and took away the bishop's authority. He said, the church needs to be clear that it wants the unreformed liturgy to disappear. Uh, this is just false. It's completely false because at Samorum Pontificum by Benedict Sixteenth in 2007, July 7, 2007, he said, quote, the traditional Latin Mass was never judicially abrogated and consequently, in principle, was always permitted. So that it's just false what he's saying here. He's lying to people, telling them that, yes, the Latin Mass was banned for a period. And then now there we just brought it back and we should only have it for old people that are sentimental about it. <laughs> well, like, this is not this thing. is not what's going on. That's the thing. That's not what's going on. It's not. I mean, OK, so I grew up anti-Catholic Church of Christ. I became Catholic. I certainly wasn't bound for Latin Mass, okay? Uh, you know, tambourines, give them to me. Let's, let's have it, you know? So there's a reason why people gravitate that way. And, but again, whether you go to a Latin Mass or never go to a Latin Mass, whether you like it or don't, pin that, put to that side, pause that for a second. Think about this one question as we wrap up this segment. Why would you want to fault, stop, stutter, pause, uh, get in the way of, resist in any way, shape, or form a growing movement of piety and love for the church and for Christ? Why would you want to pause that? Why would you want to block that? Why would you want to stop that? When you see young people in love, growing in zeal and passion and love for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and for his uh, church, for his liturgy. For what we owe God, which is uh, worship and adoration, why would you want to to interrupt that in any way, shape, or form? I'm I'm confused. Wouldn't you look at that and go, "Wow, these people are embracing this. They're they're flocking to this. This is amazing to see. You know, the piety coming back, processions, devotions. I mean, this is a good thing. So whether you ever go to a TLM or not." Step back, look at it from the 30,000-foot view, and give God praise that the young people are finding this spark in their heart. It's a beautiful thing. Let's not stop that. We'll be right back. We're going to have breaking news and stories, and then Kennedy Hall is going to be our guest. What's going on in Canada? We'll find out. Stick around. If there's one thing atheists and theists can agree on, it's the fact that we've all felt the problem of God's hiddenness and have cried out, Where are you, God? The difference, however, is atheists think this is a reason to reject God, and theists don't. Why? Well, first, God is not entirely hidden. Sure, we can't know He exists by seeing or touching Him, but we can know He exists through logic and reason. There's also good reason to believe God has revealed Himself through Jesus of Nazareth. If Jesus is raised from the dead, then everything He said is true. Second, God's in-your-face presence wouldn't necessarily make things better. Even on the natural level, we don't like overbearing parents. Why would we want God to be that way? So while God's partial hiddenness is a mystery, it's not a good reason to embrace atheism. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, April 15th, and these are your headlines for today. A Christian wedding photographer is launching a legal challenge against the state of New York over its non-discrimination laws that force her to contravene her religious conviction that God created marriage to be a joyful, exclusive union between one man and one woman. Emily Carpenter has filed a federal lawsuit against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, along with his administration, represented by New York Democratic Attorney General Letitia James, after they threatened her with fines and even imprisonment for refusing to service a so-called same-sex wedding as part of her photography business. Scruggs said that similar court decisions in recent history have set a favorable precedent going forward with Carpenter's case, citing the example of the Masterpiece Cake Shop case in Colorado in 2018 and 2019, and an Arizona State Supreme Court ruling in favor of the freedom of expression of a local art studio against LGBT activists. A young woman in Argentina died last week following a legal chemical abortion, the first such recorded death after the passage of a law legalizing abortion in December. Maria del Valle Gonzalez Lopez was a 23-year-old student who was prescribed a medication, presumably misoprostol, and was diagnosed with a general infection that may have caused her death. Misoprostol is a drug used to induce abortion in early pregnancy or to expedite a miscarriage. Potential side effects of the medication include bleeding and deadly hypovolemic shock. As soon as her death became known, various activists and pro-life groups in Argentina flooded social media with the hashtags Murió por aborto legal, she died from legal abortion, and Aborto legal mata igual, legal abortion kills the same way as illegal. And members of a Christian church in Alberta were forced to meet underground on Sunday after their building was raided and fenced off by police for breaking coronavirus health rules. In a first for modern-day Canada, members of Grace Life Church, located near Edmonton, Alberta, met this past Sunday in secret at an undisclosed location. At the same time, protesters were on-site at the barricaded church property in support of the community. The church's pastor, James Coates, who spent 35 days in jail himself for defying COVID rules, directly addressed his church having to go underground, saying in his sermon, quote, Governments all over the world are counseling together in a unified effort to oppress the people they govern. In that context, those who are faithful, those who follow Christ and confess that Jesus is Lord are going to be the ones they have to silence and get out of the way, because everyone else is going to fall in line. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Uh, don't forget, please do, miss, do us a favor and check out the sponsors of the program and uh, whatever you can do to, to say thank you for, 
for keeping us on the air. We'd be very grateful to you. Glory and Shine, GloryandShine.com is joining us as a, as a sponsor, and we're very grateful to have them on board. And, you know, I, uh, I bought the beard bomb for the first time. I've taken the big leap and starting to soften the beard here. That's kind of weird. I'm going to be honest with you, but it feels good. So take that for what it's worth. We're going to be featuring incredible beards, but we're going to be posting uh, their link and everything as we get them on board, and you're going to be hearing more about Glory and Shine on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Speaking of exquisite beards and bearded Canadians are joining us this hour uh, to talk about what in the world is going on in Canada. Uh, Kennedy Hall joins us from the Fatima Center. Good morning to you, Kennedy Hall. Good morning, sir. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive. And that counts. That's good. That's that, good. That counts. Uh, nice beard, by the way. Uh, for those that can't see, uh, Kennedy Hall is, uh, is a well-bearded man. He's got a very nice groomed, uh, trimmed beard there. But uh, let's jump into the heart of the matter, Kennedy. Um, secret underground church services are going on in Canada today. Like, who'd have thought that was going to be a headline in 2021? What in the world is going on with your country, sir? I've actually been to one of the, a few of those this last winter um, since the lockdown started. So uh, that's been fun. Actually, it has been kind of fun in a way, because when you go through a certain type of persecution, your faith grows stronger, which is kind of a positive. But yeah, Canada is, um, <clears throat> we're in a very strange place right now. Um, to be honest, that uh, what has happened to that pastor, I believe it's a Protestant church out in uh, in Alberta. Well, he made the decision to really go against the government, which I'm very uh, thankful to him for, from a perspective of being a patriot. Um, but that obviously garnered the, the the microscope of the government on him. Whereas for most Canadians trying to attend church in some fashion, uh, it's just very restricted. So you can have 15% capacity in most of the country. <clears throat> Even if you have a, you know, those, those mega churches, those Protestant mega churches in Toronto area, they use airplane hangers and you can have like <laughs> 10,000 people. Yeah. 15%, no more. Um, although now you can have unlimited outside. So um, we're very tough when it comes to the weather here. So it's about 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So we're having outdoor masses on Sunday. Yeah, praise um, be to God. We are. And, you know, on Easter, we had um, this, the church that I go to, we have a, like, they have a school. So there's a football field beside it. And we had two, 300 people on the football field, more than enough space, obviously. They set up an altar under a tent. It was good. But yeah, it's a pretty, um, Canada is a very, or a very Anglican nation. I mean, we literally are English in a lot of ways, so no one will make a decision on anything. It's kind of like if you look at the Anglican church, some people are high church, some people are low church, some people are complete apostate, heretic, something or other. And that's kind of the mentality of Canada. They don't want to make a decision on anything. So whatever is politically correct, they'll go with. And right now, uh, we're, it's a very secularized leftist nation. You know, I mean, I, I feel bad for you guys. You have Joe Biden, but I've had Trudeau for six years now. So <laughs> you don't feel that old bad, news for me. <laughs> like I'm weeping a tear, but not that big of one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, in 2015 with the gay marriage, I'm like, welcome to the party, pal. We've had it for 10 years. But um, well, hold on. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Let's sure. Let's reverse. Let's back up a little bit for Canada. Um, now, Quebec and that province mm -hmm. of Quebec. So how many yes. provinces are there in Canada? Ten provinces, three territories, so thirteen regions. And Quebec is predominantly French. So you said we're English, but Quebec yes. is really its own little thing. It's French. Now it was like ninety percent Catholic a hundred years ago, but today mm -hmm. I understand it's taken a massive fall. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm not Quebecois, mais je suis un francophone. I'm a francophone. I speak French, and I spent uh, time living in Ottawa, which is a border city with Quebec. Anyway. <clears throat> um, 
Quebec was, it was a hundred percent Catholic 50 years ago. I mean, um, you know, before the spirit of the sixties, let's call it. And the, uh, the fall in the 1970s and eighties, mm. there was a politician in Quebec. And actually this is a man that, um, I haven't found many of his writings in English. I'm, I'm, I have half a mind to translate them, to be honest. He was one of the greatest Catholic politicians that we've ever seen in the world. His name was Maurice Duplessis. And he was so Catholic, and I mean this, so pious, and um, that his second-in-command was such a holy man that he actually died protecting the Holy Eucharist in a fire in his own house. Wow. Um, so he got his family out, uh, his house set on fire. You can go see a monument to it today in Quebec. And he went to back to his chapel that he had. I mean, who has a chapel in their house, right? But he had a chapel in his house. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> well, politicians, right? <laughs> so see. he went and he grabbed the Eucharist. Couldn't get out, died on top of it, where it burnt off his legs and his hand. I mean, they found his body, but the Eucharist was protected. That's the devotion that these Catholic politicians had in Quebec. I mean, he's a saint, like an actual saint. Wow. Um, that all changed. Anyway, so Quebec was a, a very Catholic place. But you know what? Like France, like Italy, like Spain, um, as Catholics, we're absolutists. Mm-hmm. We're either going to be 100% Catholic or almost not at all. And that's kind of what's happened to Quebec, sadly. Um, so when I say Canada is a very English nation, Quebec is not Canada. And I mean that in the most uh, friendly way possible. When you go to Quebec and you go to Quebec City, you go to the, you see the sign and it says le, le, le capital national. It says the national, they just call it their own national capital because <laughs> Quebec, Quebec is a nation. It's a nation of people um, in the truest sense of ethnicity and language and religion and bloodlines and all that sort of thing. Um, so yes, uh, Quebec is is probably the roughest place to be in Canada right now. They have curfews and stuff, and you can see the videos of uh, tear gas and all those people just trying to go outside past 8 p.m., which, listen, if you grew up in Canada, I mean, the whole country has the same weather as northern Minnesota. So <laughs> when it's not snowing outside, I mean, I joke, I have four little children. We have two seasons in our house. We have kids are inside all day. Kids are outside for 12 hours a day. Those are the two seasons. <laughs> Amen. We have. Yeah. That's all we have. So, I mean, they're suppressing people going outside right now. If Canadians will not stand up for their religion, the one thing they will stand up for is being able to drink a beer on a patio in the summer, because mm. that's a very rare occurrence. But anyway. Kennedy Hall is our guest. He is with the Fatima Center. He's got an article that we uh, we were checking out uh, that really prompted us to have him on the show. It's called Catholicism Can Get You Fired in Canada. It's uh, it was published oh. back in February. We're going to link to it. It's over at Fatima.org. Um, we're going to have to go to break here in a couple of minutes, but it fascinates me about Canada because of its, its, its uh, especially with Quebec being, you know, so incredibly Catholic in the day, but losing its its Catholicism. And then, of course, in the last decade, 15, 20 years in particular, we have really seen a sharp spike up there, at least the headlines that we've been reading down here in the United States, is reading about, um, you know, how Catholics are losing their ability to defend the truth in the public sphere, how even bishops were being called to task for just simply preaching the church's teaching on marriage to its own flock, let alone sharing that with a complete stranger um has that gotten worse over the over the past few years i myself was a victim of a local petition in my town thousands of signatures to get me fired from the local school board catholic school board catholic school board yep for writing my book terror of demons uh which is about helping men catholic men be men um i was accused of hate speech for what i taught my religion class by colleagues in the school board um i was uh basically a you know, 
Cancel well, culture. We can talk about it after the break, though. All right, hold that thought. Kennedy Hall is our guest. Fatima Center uh, is the uh, is where he's from, Fatima.org. We're going to continue this conversation on the other side of this very short break. What in the world is going on in Canada? Kennedy Hall has more for us on just the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Joy during Lent? St. Benedict thinks so. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. There are two times when St. Benedict uses the word joy in his rule. Believe it or not, they are in the chapter on the observance of Lent. What message is he trying to send us? Since Lent is a preparation for Easter, the first message is that faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to be a source of abiding confidence and joy in our life. No matter what trials we face, we have already overcome them in a certain way in Christ. The second is that fidelity to a life of integrity that corresponds with our faith is the only way to peace and joy in life. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. We know Lent as a time of special discipline and attention to our Christian life. St. Benedict sees Lent as an opportunity for joy in the Holy Spirit. Do we have that kind of joy in our life? Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Our Facebook feed uh, just decided it no longer wanted to work. Just shut off. So weird stuff happens all the time with technology. So support your local Catholic radio station. It really makes a difference. But uh, I think it's back up and running. Uh, Adrian Fonseca has been working hard on that. Uh, so I think it's back up. But otherwise, you can always join us on YouTube. That seems to be uninterrupted. Right, Adrian? Yes, sir. The, uh, we had a glitch, in the, and so Facebook thought I shut it off. So Facebook turned off. But YouTube and Twitter still streaming there. And Facebook on uh, Catholic Drive Time, GRN Online, and Station of the Cross are now running again. All right. Praise be to God. Kennedy Hall is our guest. In this segment, we're talking about Canada, and, uh, you know, you think our country's lost its mind. Canada seems to be a little further down the uh, slippery slope there. Kennedy, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, we're, uh, we love being uh, superior to the Americans here, so uh, we're, right? better at being, we're better at being crazy than you. We're better at losing <laughs> our minds than you. So there you I'm go. happy to one. give you the, the platform, sir. <laughs> Welcome to it and enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to turn the lights off and lock the door, keep you out. But at, at you any go. rate, at any rate, you know, that, we can talk about the border issue. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole uh, thing. The, the, the border between Canada and America is way more strict than the border between Mexico and America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird, weird times. Let's go back. You, before the break, you were talking about how you had personally been canceled. You wrote this book, Slaying Dragons. Let's go back to that. Sure. So I wrote the book, uh, uh, Terror of Demons, Reclaiming Traditional Catholic Masculinity. Um, you can find it on my website, kennedyhall.ca. Um, anyway, so I wrote that book. Um, and I was a Catholic school. I'm still, I didn't get fired or anything, but uh, I'm on a leave of absence. I just, I found another job and stuff. And with the Corona stuff and the masks and the schools and stuff, I just didn't really want to be a part of it, to be honest. It's just kind of an eerie, weird situation at the schools right now. So at any rate, I wrote this book. It came out last May. 
Uh, sung very well, but uh, people in my town got a hold of it. And the, let's say, rainbow crowd got a hold of it. I don't talk about that stuff in the book. It's about men being virtuous. It has nothing to do with, with uh, gay marriage or anything. And, um, but I was uh, exalted as this anti, anti-homophobic or whatever bigot, you know, evil sexist man having, for having the audacity to tell men to stop watching pornography. Yeah, and, um, amen basically. And, uh, that's, that's a lot of what the book's about is to help men with that. And, um, so uh, there was a petition going around. Uh, it was just try to get this guy out and it was sort of, you know, didn't make the news or anything like that, but it was a cancel culture sort of thing. I was never officially fired, but I'll tell you, it was really stressful. It got to the point where, um, there were like, I was worried about things going to happen in my house. Let's put it that way. Cause I live in wow. a, t- I like, I'm a, you know, I'm a rugby coach and a, I'm one of those teachers who was really involved and I coached a bunch of teams and was in the newspapers for bringing kids to like state championship type things and things. And everyone knows where I live. I mean, I'm a, I'm a good guy, I promise. And, um, <laughs> but it, it, it flipped. I mean, this with Corona and the lockdown, Canada really changed really fast as well. And, and mm. um, it flipped really quick and it got to the point where I was actually getting sick. There was the amount of stress was going on. I was having like uh, stomach problems and, and everything. So mm. I took a year off. And I found a job at the Fatima Center, praise be to God. Um, and the books sold, which was nice. I mean, it was sort of like, God, give me an attaboy. Okay, you did something and it's really going to suck, but I'm going to reward you for it. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> so um, I found a, a, an avenue for myself sort of as a professional author at this point, which is nice. But yeah, it's really bad up here for Catholics. Not going to lie. Um, praise be to God. Kennedy Hall is our guest. Fatima Center. Fatima.org is the uh, is the website. Um you know, it's funny, you talked about writing your book and the, the blowback you got for that. I, in 2014, I wrote a book on overcoming pornography addiction. You know, okay. uh, I, I've been blessed to tell my own journey and story about being addicted to pornography and how, how God, uh, you know, saved me from that. Uh, I rarely get the opportunity to tell people uh, how the actual techniques I use to overcome temptation and to win the fight every single time. And so I wrote the book for that purpose, to put it down and say, here you go. You know, here's the inspirational story. Now here's the technique. Go do this. And I naively thought in those days, 2014, that I could simply promote the book online and it would be great. More men would be helped. Families saved. Praise be to God. And then I got labeled as a bigot by Facebook and uh, because I dared to be judgmental about pornography and yeah. I, like it, I guess I was so naive at the time to think that this is a good thing people will want this and it was surprising to see the blowback on uh, on that and I imagine I, in your case it seems like it was intensified even worse there well yeah and because it's it's about masculinity in general so um, well the feminists found out that about my book and uh, lost their ever-loving minds <laughs> and um, you know my priest he's an Irishman and um, when it came, so here's the thing. Everyone who's read my book, it's pretty much five stars. It's doing great. There's this in the Amazon.ca, the Canadian one. There's reviews as well, but you can't see them from the states because unless you have a VPN. It's, anyway, but um, there's about 20 reviews that are zero stars, and all of them say, "I've never read the book. I never will. This guy's a jerk. He can go to hell, <laughs> basically." And um, so my priest, we were actually considering moving to the states last summer. We couldn't because the visas—they weren't giving him more visas. But I was applying to charter schools and things like that, saying I got to get out of Dodge, you know. And um, my priest says he's an Irishman, and he says, "Oh, the demons are angry. Very good. It's a good book, you know." <laughs> like he just sort of. So that's kind of um, that's the reality here. But you know what? Um, the faithful here are very. The faithful who are faithful are very strong. 
We are, we have been used to, we've, we've been used to this stuff for a while, even unfortunately, I'll be as charitable as possible. You know, our bishops, um, generally speaking, are a little bit even more zealous than the government when it comes to lockdown rules. Yes. Um, Same thing in, in Texas as well. Yeah, well, all over the United States and the world, it seems there are. Uh, it's 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 mind-boggling. Like I, I try to give the benefit of the doubt, right? To, to try to be as char- like you say, charitable as possible. So I said this yesterday, I believe, on the show. First fifteen days to slow the spread. Fine. We don't know what we're dealing with. Let's Two act weeks. prudentially. Okay, we get it. Eight months later. <laughs> what are we doing again? Like when when things begin to open up and we're the ones still locking down, that's counterintuitive. Now we're starting to really raise some questions and eyebrows and wondering what is going on here. Where in fact is the supernatural grace? You know, being yeah. locked down for Easter last mm-hmm. year. I'm sorry, I, I served in the Marine Corps. There is yeah. no excuse, in my opinion. You, like you mentioned earlier, football fields, uh, stadiums, uh, hangars, parking lots, where there is a will, there is a way to accomplish the, what we owe God in giving him our adoration and worship, especially on the highest feast day of our calendar. Well, here in the diocese that I'm in, and listen, I know it's a little bit controversial, okay, but the priests of the Society of St. Pius X were some of the only priests offering any sacraments to anybody um, because the bishop had even forbid confessions and baptisms which is just mind-boggling. Like, I mean, we're talking baptisms. I mean, my baptisms. How you kind of got to need that to go to heaven. How about anointing of the sick at hospitals? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, but you could, st- this is the funny thing, though. Well, the strange thing. You could still do a 10-person wedding, even in the worst of it last year. Mm-hmm. So the diocese was okay with that. And I'm thinking, if you read canon law, you can actually get married without a priest when there's a grave necessity or, you know, grave inconvenience, whatever it says. That would be a moment if you actually believed in the logic of the virus to say, hey, guys, here's how to take your vows with a witness. So you're not in mortal sin if you, you know, celebrate the marriage act. Um, but we know you need a priest for confession. We know that you need a priest for the anointing of the sick. Oh, by the way, here's a way to baptize your children if you can't get to us. Here's how to do it. I mean, there were lots of ways that you could have done it. It was the opposite. It was no baptisms, not going to teach you how. Uh, no confession. Uh, just say a perfect act of contrition, which Alfonso Liguori says is almost as rare as a man rising from the right. dead. So yeah. go for that. That'd be great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no Eucharist. And then when you do come back, if it wasn't for the um, society and for the Eastern priests, basically priests who aren't under the, the regular bishop thing, um, I don't know if we're ever going to have communion on the tongue again in our diocese. Um, I mean that. I've had people talk to the chancery office, and they've said they don't have any plans to ever bring it back because this is just safer, and this is the new normal. So anyway, it's a yeah. very weird situation. And um, But for those of us who are trying to keep the faith, it's a challenge, and it's uh, you got to make a, almost a journey out of it and have fun. So I know that in my house, I've got four little kids, and um, when I was sent home from work for the lockdown of the two weeks, <laughs> um, we we've never prayed more as a family than we have the last year and a bit because we're home all the time together and hey angelus regina celli daily rosary um uh morning offering all these things we never did those things as a we did the rosary but never did everything else but now we do so there's been some benefits in that sense Mm. kennedy hall is our guest and we have about uh, three minutes left in our conversation about canada so uh, can you predict down the road? I mean, next year, what is it going to look like for, for Catholics in Canada? Well, I think Canada is going to go, I think there's about three directions that most places are going to go. One, I think you're going to see a lot of countries go on a sort of far right movement, a populist reaction. I think Greece and Italy are primed for that pretty soon, to be honest. Some places will go even further in the communist direction. 
um, like California, basically. Um, but uh, in Canada, I think we're going to do this classic thing we do here, and it's going to be slow. We're going to w- let everybody else act first, and um, we're going to just slowly. We're in another lockdown right now, in a stay-at-home order. No one's listening. The parks are packed. It's nice to see, but um, you know, we're in the slow slow burn and eventually we'll be sort of back to something like normal whether there'll be vaccine passports or not i don't know and i think the church will be in a similar situation it was before except probably with about half the attendees um because a lot of people were just a lot of catholics were lukewarm anyway that actually attended mm-hmm. that's only about 16 to 17 percent of baptized catholics in canada to begin with so i bet you're going to see probably about half of the churches end up closing and consolidate into sort of a family of parishes and you'll see the traditional movement continue to grow and you'll see more people flock to the Eastern Catholic churches as well because they're looking for something a little bit more reverent. Yeah, you know, it's interesting talking about the people not coming back. We mentioned that yesterday with our guest, Father Jeffrey Kirby. And, um, you know, there could be a blessing in disguise there, sort of uh, trimming the hedges, right? Getting rid of some of the dead branches. And yep. what's left is a more healthy, <clears throat> maybe smaller, but uh, and I think I remember... Uh, old uh, Cardinal, what's his name, uh, Benedict the Sixteenth, uh, <laughs> you know, predicting that many years ago that the church would have to be smaller at one point uh, yep. to survive. Yeah, and you know, um, it's in Scripture. You know, pruning the dead, the dead branches, and pruning the vines and things, and <clears throat> that's how it goes. And you know what? We only need a small remnant of very strong people. Yeah, to make a make a difference, and that's what we have now. Amen. Praise be to God. Kennedy Hall, thanks for being on our program today. We're very grateful to you. Thanks for having me. God love you and God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, You can check out his article. We're going to link to it. Fatima.org is where it's located. It's called Catholicism Can Get You Fired in Canada. You should check it out. But that's going to do it for the first hour of our program. Praise be to God. Hopefully you can join us in the second hour. We're going to have a good news segment, unlike the regular stuff. It's a little more inspiring. Plus the uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and our Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show with prizes are involved. A lot of fun and Catholic Drive Time is coming up in the second hour. You can find our video links linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. Tomorrow, we're talking about China and the possible war with Taiwan. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible says to call no man father, so why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. 
Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul referred to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today. We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Kennedy Hall from Canada about what is going on in Canada. Pray for the church in Canada. There's secret underground church services going on in Canada, in Ireland even. Remember that? We talked about Ireland a couple weeks ago. Like, who'd have thunk that was going to happen? Well, it's happening right now. We're going to be posting that conversation later this morning, or today rather, uh, just that conversation with Kennedy Hall on our Facebook YouTube, and uh, elsewhere. You can find all the links at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. That was such a great conversation. I really do feel for our neighbors in Canada. Um, and but honestly, we're headed that direction too. So it's good to to sort of get a warning and it's like a wake-up call, I think. I thought this was supposed to be a good news hour. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be nothing but good news this hour. The good news is we're not Canada. <laughs> the, good news is, the good news is we're 10 wow. years away. Wow. Poor Canada. Poor Canada. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. I got to be honest. It is very bizarre what's going on in parts of the world. But uh, let's pray, fast, and do penance. Speaking of pray, fasting, and doing penance, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. I need so much penance, penance, penance. But yes, I, I really enjoyed the interview. I'll be posting that up later today on uh, all of our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and Rumble. So please feel free to share that with whoever you think needs to hear it. Because yes, Canada is a look into our future. And the good news is we're not there yet. Uh, we can uh, still turn the tide. Well, uh, praise be to God. This is going to be a uh, good news. It's a lot of fun this second hour. We do a good news segment. That's coming up in a moment. Of course, we're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then our Fear and Trembling Game Show. If you tried to get in on 
to be our contestant yesterday. Well, today's a new opportunity for you. So you could call. You could sit on hold for the next 10 minutes or so. Your choice, if you want to find that phone number, just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you'll find the rules of the game and how it all plays, and the phone number is there as well. And you're welcome to call early if you like. Otherwise, I'll give you the phone number here in just a few moments, or a few minutes rather, and then you'll be able to call in. So it's always the first caller who gets to be our contestant. So new opportunity today. Praise be to God. We're very grateful to studiosen.com, studiosen.com for being our our underwriter or our giver of the gift this week. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to God. All right, let's let's gonna pray now for whatever's on your heart, whatever your intentions are. We're gonna pray for you. I'm praying for our team here at the Catholic Drive Time and our needs for the show, as well as our radio apostolates, uh, you know, Station of the Cross, Guadalupe Radio Network, for all of our needs as well. So we're asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for you, for us, by whispering these intentions into the ear of her divine child, Jesus, praying also for the conversion of sinners worldwide and for the repose of those souls that will face eternity today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Newly ordained priest Father Michael Zimmerman of the Archdiocese of Boston launched a YouTube series on April 13th that guides men in discerning the priesthood. In this 27-episode series entitled Scavias, Know the Ways of the Lord, Father Zimmerman guides and encourages young men in following God's call. Father Zimmerman said the idea of a discernment series came to mind shortly after the Archdiocese of Boston appointed him as Assistant Vocations Director. In an interview, he said, quote, God doesn't want to scare us or force us, but he wants us to lovingly choose his will for ourselves. But to do that, we have to learn to address the fears and desires of our hearts and respond to God's voice. Boston Vocations Director Father Eric Caden said he hopes the series inspires men in their vocations. Sister Victoria Kovalchuk wanted to be a missionary in South America, but God had other plans for the Catholic convert from Crimea, who is now helping the refugee population in Greece. A Holy Spirit missionary sister, the 38-year-old Kovalchuk, and other members of her community serve the refugee and migrant community in Athens together with employees and volunteers of Jesuit Refugee Services. During the refugee crisis of 2015 and 2016, Greece saw the arrival of over one million refugees, mostly from Afghanistan, Syria, Iran, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Sister Kovalchuk said she and other volunteers go to the refugee camp every day to play with the children and to tell the women about the center they run, which has showers and a place to wash clothes. The center also has a shop with free secondhand clothing and a social worker who answers questions and shares other resources for refugees and migrants. The volunteers and sisters give language lessons in Greek, French, and English. They also offer activities and classes for the children, many of whom are not in school. Kovalchuk said that she has no power to change the physical and political situation of asylum seekers in Greece, but she did say, what I can do is love. 
And at his Wednesday audience, Pope Francis encouraged Christians to examine their lives to ensure that personal prayer is a priority. He warned that one of the devil's tactics to attack the church is to prevent people from praying. The Holy Father said, quote, Holy women and men do not have an easier life than others. On the contrary, they too have their problems to face, and moreover, they are often the object of opposition. But their strength is prayer, through which they always draw from the inexhaustible well of Mother Church. The Pope explained that the strength found in prayer together is why communities and groups dedicated to prayer flourish continuously in the Church. Pope Francis stressed that without prayer, the Church becomes like an empty shell, in which no effective changes take place, and which loses its direction to evangelize. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Cesar de Bus, pray for us. He was born on the 3rd of February, 1544, in Cavagnon, France. Blessed Cesar was a middle child, the seventh of 13 children, raised as a pious child. He became a soldier at 18 and fought in the war against the Huguenots. He joined the Navy to fight in the siege of La Rochelle, but illness kept him from the fight. He lived for three years in Paris, devoted to poetry and painting and to wild and frivolous living. Back in his hometown of Cabagnon, he took over the position of his late brother as canon of Salon, a position he wanted for its income and connections instead of its spiritual significance. One night, while on his way to a masked ball, he passed a shrine where a small light was burning before the image of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and his heart, his mind, and his soul was stirred. He suddenly uh, was overwhelmed by the memory of a friend, Antoinette, that prayed fervently for his salvation. And he realized in that moment that there was no way he could live a life offending God, committing mortal sins, and then expect to be accepted in the end. There, on the road, he had a complete conversion. He was ordained in 1582 and became the canon of Avignon. He was profoundly affected, reading a biography of St. Charles Borromeo, and tried to take him as a model in all things, especially his devotion to catechesis. He worked as a catechist in an area in turmoil following the religious wars, and St. Francis de Sales called him a star of the first magnitude in the firmament of catechesis. He founded the Ursulines of Province and the Fathers of Christian Doctrine, or the Doctrinarians. The Fathers were destroyed during the French Revolution, but an Italian branch, the Doctrinarian Fathers, continue today with houses in Italy, France, and Brazil. Blessed Cesar would die on Easter Sunday, 15 of April, 1607, in Avignon. He would be beatified by Pope St. Paul VI in April 7th. 1975, Blessed Cesar de Bus, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of earthly things. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever does accept his testimony certifies that God is trustworthy. For the one whom God sent speaks the words of God. He does not ration his gift of the Spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given everything over to him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever disobeys the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God 
remains upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I was talking in the last hour about this particular passage of the words of St. John Chrysostom, who believes firmly that these words primarily uh, were aimed straight at disciples of Christ, believers of Christ. Even Augustine uh, pointed out how there is a vast difference between saying, well, I believe, I have faith, I, I acknowledge Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Savior, as the second person of the Trinity, but then not resolving to change your life, to fall in line, to live a life worthy of that faith. Even our, our saint of the day, Blessed Cesar, even he realized in that critical moment that you can't just go on doing whatever you want to do in the face of the reality, the harsh truth, or the beautiful truth, I might, I might say it better, that Christ suffered, died, and was resurrected to save your soul. And to have ears to hear and eyes to see, one must have faith, and that faith must have works worthy of it. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, uh, I wanted to also focus on verse 26, which is, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. Uh, that, is, that is striking to us, um, but we need to understand, what is the highest law of the church? The highest law of the church is the salvation of souls. That is uh, what is taught in canon law. Uh, the highest law of the church is the salvation of souls, so you can violate other laws for the salvation of, other, of souls. Not moral laws, but canonical laws you can violate for the salvation of souls. That's very important. In the low mass, at the end of a low mass, every single day, uh, it is uh, these prayers are said after mass. There are three Hail Marys, Salve Regina, uh, St. Michael prayer, and uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus have mercy upon us. And then there's one prayer that said, and at the end of that prayer, it is said, for the salvation of souls and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. Now, this is one of the prayers that I have, uh, that I pray uh, constantly, and I always offer up all my prayers for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. Why is that? Because if you're not saved, there's no point to anything. If you save others, but you do not save your own soul, it, it was all worthless. Everything is worthless. There's no point to life if you do not end up in heaven. Everything is as straw and compared to the glory of heaven and the pains of hell. And I'm going to read to you what Cornelius Lapide said here. He said, but he that believeth not shall not see, shall not enjoy the wrath of God abideth the vengeance of God and hell shall eternally punish him. Here, Cyril, they shall not see life, not even as far as the bare sight of it pertains, shall they be able to attain to the life of the saints. They shall not taste of those joys. They shall not see that true life. They shall be tormented with sufferings worse than any kind of death and only retain their souls and their bodies through the sense of pain. Now, that's how horrible hell is. And this is just a brief description. We need to save our souls. We need to go to confession. Hashtag no sin gang. We need to save our souls. So going to confession biweekly is my practice uh, because I'm a whole wretched sinner and I need to go to confession biweekly uh, every other week. And I highly recommend you please uh, join in uh, the salvation of our soul, the salvation of your children's soul, your parents, your family, everyone. I know a lot of my friends are converts that are my age and their parents are not Catholic. And we always talk about parents and their kids falling away. But there's a lot of kids who uh, young people who we become Catholic and their parents are not Catholic. Pray for their souls. Do penance for them. This is the way to salvation. This is the only thing that matters. And I think that's what I wanted to focus on. Amen. Praise be to God. I think Eric uh, had a comment in the uh, YouTube side. 
uh, sort of agreeing. He said he took the pandemic period to as a time to get closer to God and his family, made the best of the suffering. And I think that speaks to what you were just mentioning there, Adrian. So praise be to God for that. And thank you to all of our commenters and all of those who will share our content because that is a great way to overcome the algorithmic woes, the censorship of big tech oligarchs is to smash that share button and that like button and comment where you're from and, uh, and let us know that you're out there. Praise be to God. We'll be commenting with all of our listeners and the after show. But what's next is the Fear and Trembling Game Show, 877-757-9424. That is coming up right after this short break. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do not share this publicly with anyone, okay? Just keep this between us. But we like to do a few things here. Uh, we like to teach a little bit about the faith, so you'll always learn something you probably didn't know before. And we uh, like to have a little laugh in the process, and then we like to give out prizes. It's kind of a win-win-win for everyone. Uh, but here's the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hands. We take callers to be our contestant, but the trick is... 
I don't ask the caller the questions. Mm -mm. I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, and one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. Then the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is StudioSend.com. That's S-E-N-N, Studio Send. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And this was a Catholic shop started by Courtney Sen, who's a wife and mother, an artist, and an author. Um, she recently wrote a book called You Were Born to Be a Saint. And now all the reviews of this book say that it brought the parents to tears, even the dads. So I just ordered the book to see what the, the big deal is about. But I'm really excited to receive this book. This week, though, she is giving away an Our Lady of Guadalupe banner that she designed herself. It's really elegant, really beautiful. And our prize winner will be very lucky to have, have it in their home. So thank you, Studio Sen. Praise be to God. That's awesome. StudioSend.com. Thank you for that. Uh, S-E-N-N, by the way. All right. So all of those who try to call in to be a part of our game show, we're just so blessed and, and, and grateful to you. Tomorrow, you'll have one last chance to get in on this. So make sure you got the phone number down. And you can find that on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But let's go to the phones. Uh, let's see here. Betsy uh, in uh, San Antonio, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Betsy. It's uh, good to have you on our program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, Betsy, where do you go to church? St. Anthony Mary Claret. Ooh, that's out there. Like, uh, there's a you have like a view, don't you? Got the rifle range or the gun range to your left, but there's a view out there of hills. Oh yes, it's beautiful. Praise be to God. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now, Betsy, are you familiar with the show? Have you been listening for a while? Yes, we have. So, so you're very aware then. Emily and Adrian can be very tricky. You got to watch them very carefully. Yep. But, but then you also know that I'm on your side completely, right, Betsy? <coughs> I do know. You got a throat. Oh, sorry, sorry. Adrian, I, you, I just, you need you know, a glass of water? I should have hit the mute button, you know. I, just, you know. I don't know why he's, la I don't know he's laughing. Anyway, all right, Betsy, let's play the game. It's okay. going to be a lot of fun, I promise. Uh, in fact, I think one of these, th these three questions we've actually asked in the past so this is a recycled uh -huh. question so we're already at recycled questions okay. here but I, i'm going to say it's not too bad today let's just see how it goes emily we're going to start with you as is our custom are you ready i'm ready are you sure yes are you sure absolutely emily can you tell me who is the usual or ordinary minister of the sacrament of holy orders holy so like ordination i that that would be the bishop I think. Sounds reasonable. It could be. Sounds reasonable. But let's see what uh, Adrian has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me who is the ordinary or the usual minister of the Sacrament of Holy Orders? Uh, I'm pretty sure only the Pope can ordain people. Really? Yep. Wow. No kidding. All right. So uh, Adrian is on the hook for the Pope, and Emily is on the hook for a bishop. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Betsy, what say you? Going with Emily. Survey says no fool in Betsy today. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, technically, the Pope I, is, is a bishop, bishop, you know, right? I mean, speaking. so you oh. could have pulled the technicality out of that. <laughs> uh, so you probably could have gotten it right either way if you just like called us on that. But praise be to God, you were not fooled. In fact, a bishop is the only one who can ordain. Praise and be usually to God. at least three. Three bishops? Yes, because to make sure 
just in case there's any doubt of a any individual bishop's uh, ordination, they have three different bishops lay hands, so that way they have three lines of lineage, apostolic lineage. That's yeah. interesting. So in case there's some doubt, like what's like they're going to find out later. Oh, you know what, Bishop Bob over there. I don't. He's not a bishop. Who knew? Yep. Just in case just they in do case. three. Okay. Uh, so only in extraordinary circumstances they will use one. Fascinating fact: the conclave that elected Pope Francis, they did actually catch an imposter dressing up like a cardinal. Did they really? <gasps> yes, <What>? they did. <laughs> yes, they did. True story. True story. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. All right, uh, we gotta we gotta avoid the rabbit holes today. We'll never get through. All right, Betsy, congratulations! You're in the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, I think they get easier from here, but let's just see how it goes. We're going to start with Adrian this time. Adrian, can you tell me? What type of oil is used in the anointing of the sick? What type of oil for well, the anointing of the sick? When I'm sick, my mom uses Java oil, so I'm going to say Java oil. <laughs> okay. Java, you say? Yep. Uh, like Java the Hut or No, that's Java. Ja- okay. Java the Hut. Java. Java. Oh, okay. So yeah. Java oil. I yep. see, I see. Yep. Let's go with Emily here. Emily, can you tell me what type of oil is used in the anointing of the sick? Well, I think I think Java is uh, refers to coffee or a software program. So I'm going to go with olive oil because I mean that's probably what they would have had in the early church. I like both of those things, coffee and, and software. software programs. Yes, yeah, generally together too. By the way. Uh, so your answer was olive, do you say? I w- I'm going to go with olive, Okay, yes. so Emily's on the hook for good old-fashioned olive oil. Is that the extra virgin type, or do you know? Whatever they produced in ancient uh, mid- okay. the Middle Eastern countries. All right, so olive oil is Emily's answer, and Java oil is Adrian's answer. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Betsy, what say you? Uh, I'll go with Emily. Are you sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're so I, th- I thought Joe was on your side. I am. And here I'm you're just, trying to, con- trying to just, confuse people. No, not at all. Not <laughs> No, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Good job, Betsy. No confusing you. <laughs> right. you. You got it right. Praise be to God. In fact, it is olive oil. Fascinating fact. I think recently uh, in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, they did find, a, I think it was a second uh, olive press there. Uh, that had a more significant liturgical experience for the first century Jews. Kind of fascinating. Kind of cool. So olive oil, in fact, is used, not Java oil. Does your mom like crush Java beans or something? No, what Java is oil? Java oil? What is Java oil? It's, I've it's, never it's, heard of that's Java. That's a real thing, and I will talk about it in the after show because this is a totally rabbit hole. It has nothing to do with Christianity. So does it or like come in five W thirty? Because I might need a quart. Just I'm go just, to the health food store and ask the people there. Okay, Java oil. All right. Let's go on to the third question, third time here with Emily, or starting with you again. Emily, let's see here. What is the term for a male saint who lived a life of sanctity but did not suffer martyrdom for the faith? What do we call that? Did not suffer martyrdom? Um, I'm going to go with disciple. Disciple. Sounds reasonable. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me? What is the term for a male saint who lived a life of sanctity but did not suffer martyrdom for the faith? Confessor. Awfully quick. Very confident. Hmm. Could be deceiving. Adrian is on the hook for confessor, <laughs> and Emily is on the hook for disciple. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Betsy, what say you? Emily. 
Survey says, I'm oh. so sorry. Wow. We got you on that last one, Betsy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was it was on the outside there. You, you swung, though. You swung. Praise be to God. But in fact, a good example of this would be St. Maximilian Kolbe, our friend from Poland who died in Auschwitz when he was... Uh, I'm looking for the camera. I don't know where the camera is. When he... Uh, when he was uh, canonized, you know, when he was beatified, he was beatified as a confessor. And when he was uh, canonized, he was canonized as a martyr for the faith. So, white uh, vestments, I believe. You can correct me, Adrian. I think it was white for beatification and red for canonization. Uh, so, it's kind of complicated for uh, Maximilian Colby. was a super unique case where they actually made him both a confessor and a martyr. Uh, originally, when they first were beatifying him, yes, he was just a confessor. But then at the canonization, they were like, actually, he's both. And so now he has uh, both the uh, the confessor and martyr status. Yeah, praise be to God. But Betsy, you're in the coffee cup twice. Last week's winner only right. had to be in there once. So your chances are still pretty good. Praise God. Okay. Praise God. God bless you, Betsy. I'm going to put you on hold so we can get your phone yeah. number to make sure we have you. But we're so glad that you were on our program. Thanks for being a good sport today. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, God love you. All right, that is going to do it for today's radio side of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Uh, we can look forward to, in the after show, uh, learning all about Java oil, apparently. Something I didn't know. I don't know that much about it. Existed, it's not going to be all about it. But our resident health food expert and uh, <laughs> Java oil uh, you know, evangelist is going <laughs> to give us all of the ins and outs of that. I'm teasing. I'm just teasing anyway after show is where you my dear listener get to drive the conversation whatever you want to talk about that's what we're going to talk about we're we'll mention the stuff we mentioned on the show with our guests kennedy hall the what's concerning us i've got news articles that i would love to dive into or just whatever is on your mind on your heart you get to drive that conversation if you're going to go to holy mass because we're going to broadcast the mass here across the guadalupe radio network please keep us in your intentions i'd be very grateful to you we of course are praying for your intentions every day as well but tomorrow we're going to talk about china is china going to go to war with the world it seems like things are heating up so we've invited dana chang on from the epic times who their outlet in hong kong was just attacked by uh, by thugs we're going to talk to her about what is going on in china and the south china sea tomorrow 6 a.m central 7 eastern catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired is our mission and you make it all the more better by hanging out every single day. God love you and God bless you. Please do us a favor and share this radio show with your friends and your family. You can find links to everything up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. We'll see you here tomorrow or in a few moments. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God, where we uh, conversate whatever you want to conversate about, but just in a little bit more casual, relaxed, and oftentimes way more silly way. Uh, 
this is where the inside jokes start flying left and right. But praise be to God for it. It's a lot of fun hanging out with all of you. So please do us a favor and comment, whatever you are at. If you've never commented before, we like to recognize all of the first commenters with a little sounder music we play, just as a way of lavishing some love on you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time show. So if you're a first-time commenter, please make sure that we know and recognize you by uh, just commenting and say, hey, first time or whatever. Let us know where you're from, too. Uh, we like to see where our listeners are from. It really uh, inspires us quite a bit. But we're very grateful to all of you. God bless you. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Betsy was such a good sport. Praise be to God. Yeah, she was. Now, I think we lost some of our listeners when the feed cut off on Facebook. Um, but, of course, our friends that we see every day are here. Good morning, Christopher. Good morning, Jesus. Let's see. Yeah, I, unfortunately, we lost the comments that were there earlier. Oh, my yeah. friend Josh, good morning. Uh, we lost the comments from earlier. There was a couple new people there, mm. and I don't remember everyone's names. So I know Chantel was a first-time commenter. I can tell that one personally. That, so Does that mean I get a... We, we, we do. We get to play it, even though we lost the comments. There. That's all we get. That's all we get? <laughs> that's all we get. She commented. She was a first-time commenter. What do you mean that's do all we get? For <laughs> she deserves the whole glory. I still don't not sure it's as good as the horns of the apocalypse though. I'm st- I'm not sold. Just not. I think I think the horns need to have a, a strong comeback. Uh, let's see, Bruce Toman. Bruce, are you a first time commenter? I think you are. I think he is too. I'm like he deserves a first time sure. commenter sounder. And we also have Patty Sunder- uh, Sunstorm Sunstrom. And she, I think, is also a first-time commenter. So, there we go. Praise be to God. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Bruce, for uh, hanging out with us today on the on the show. Praise be to God. Uh, Christopher Chance is throwing out the hashtag wrong, so, so wrong <laughs> uh, hashtag again today. And uh, new comment, new hashtag today. I beat Christopher to it. Uh, hashtag CDT happy hour. They were like, we thought this was supposed to be happy hour. What's with all this truth bombs? Why are we talking about hell? (laughs) Happy hour. So 6 a.m. is the new 5 p.m. It's it's 7 o'clock somewhere. That's what what I'm saying. (laughs) Job of the Hut healing oil, according to Joaquin. Praise be to God. Jesus. Adrian, you laughed. Confessor Uh, sounded, uh, answer sounded sneaky. Yes. I, they're trying to throw people off because someone, one of our callers a couple weeks ago was like, yeah, Adrian, we, we know, we could tell when you're lying, uh, cause you, uh, do X, Y, and Z. So I did the exact opposite now. They've profiled you, man. It's, and now, now they wow. threw them off. I they have, them off. they have a profile of you. Don Paddock, good morning. Adrian was so quick on that last answer. Must be Java oil working. <laughs> Must be the Java oil working. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you I actually don't know anything about Java oil. Come on, man. I, I don't know anything about it. All I know is that it's a real thing. I'm looking it up, and it pops up that it's a uh, oil, a central oil or something. I don't know. My, my wife is probably shaking her head. She's like, oh. You're I cannot embarrassing believe, us. You cannot should know you don't know what that what is. Java oil is. My wife probably wouldn't know what Java oil probably. is. Probably. My uh, my mom has a bottle of it at home, and we uh, she uses it for... I, I don't even know what it's for, to be honest. <laughs> I, I literally don't know anything about it. I just see it around the house, and I and it says Java oil. What? So I don't know anything about Java it. Java oil. Samuel, praise be to God, uh, is, uh, is a first-time commenter over on the YouTube side. Oh, sweet. You know what that means. I do. <laughs> And 
praise be to God, because I'm so such a generous person, I'm gonna also give this as well. Jesus is a friend. Oh. Jesus is my friend. Why do you? Jesus just to make things even better. Why do you do that to people? Adrian? So much greater. What? Do you not have charity in your heart? I, I'm doing it because <laughs> Jesus is such a. Uh, friend of mine you lack <laughs> charity oh, th th that's right i forgot it's the actual the official jesus robles theme song is what that is uh let's see over on youtube side susanna good morning praise be to god from massachusetts if i remember correctly susanna hopefully everything is well and good in massachusetts uh praise be to god angelo good morning it's good to see you on here Lori. i know some folks came over from facebook as soon as it crashed uh, Lori, good morning to you. Christopher, of course, I see you're on, I saw you on YouTube as well. And then Jennifer, praise be to God. Good morning, Jennifer. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And Eric Rodriguez, we mentioned him earlier in the show. Gloria, good morning, but she went off back to Facebook, I believe. Praise be to God. And let's see who else. And then, of course, our friend. Now, I wonder, Samuel, where are you from? Valentin, good morning to you, Valentin. Christopher Velasquez, good morning. Praise be to God. We're glad that you're here. I wonder where Samuel's from. If you're a first-time commenter, let us know. We'd like to recognize all of our first-time commenters. would like to know where you're from. Christopher Chan says, hashtag Jesus is a friend of mine. See what you've started, hey, man. Adrian? How hey, do you sleep at night? Man. Are, are you saying that Jesus is not a friend of yours? Is that? It sounds like that's what <laughs> you're saying. See? It's, see I, Jesus is a friend of mine. Okay, it, okay, this reminds me of Genesis chapter 3, right? And the serpent, the Nahash, subtly twisting truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. You following? You tracking? Subtly twisting the truth. God did not say, right? You know, it's, you know see, okay. So do I believe Jesus is a friend of mine? Of course. Who do, who doesn't? Um, apparently some people that, who, uh, mm. there's a lot of people who do not believe. What? There are some people that don't believe that, you know? Okay, it's true. You, you got to dig deeper under the surface and you, to really uncover the diabolical nature of what you are doing to people, Adrian. Um, Odessa, Texas, Samuel. Praise from. be to God. Odessa. We have, I don't know if we've ever had a listener comment from Odessa or so far. So praise be to God for that. We had a caller from Odessa. Ariel, good morning to you. Ariel, I think you're first time commenter, are you not? I think she is. I don't recognize the name, which means... Which means... Oh, sorry, sorry. Wrong one. Wrong one. Ariel. There we go. The variety of genres, though. <laughs> I know. It's, I, I okay, in my defense, I warned you before we launched in that this is where the silly time starts. Okay, so please don't hold me against it, all right? Ariel, good morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, where are you from, Ariel? We'd like to know. Praise be to God. You don't have to, you know, you can share it or not share it. Your choice, but we'd love to know. Josh said, Jesus is a friend of mine, was stuck in my head all day yesterday. See, that's but, what I'm talking but, about, Josh. Well, but he didn't say that was a bad thing. That's what I see. He didn't say it was you, a bad thing. It, Took over your whole day like a virus. I I enjoy having uh, the fact that Jesus is my friend that be in my head and in my heart at all times. <laughs> Don't watch the music video, whatever you do. Please, promise me, Josh, you will not watch the music video that goes with that song. Please, please promise me this. I'll be praying for you, Josh. Hashtag San Antonio, this is Texas. where the silly time starts. I told you. I told you. I really. San Antonio, praise be to God. I grew up in uh, Converse, Universal City. Live Oaks, what graduated Judson High School back in the day. Still probably the greatest high school football team in the history of humanity, though. Um, pretty sure. Never heard I'm of it. I'm pretty sure it's on the building and the stadium. 
Okay, whatever you say, man. Just because our stadium is bigger than Texas A&M, don't hold it against us. Go Eagles. Eagle Go fight Rockets. never dies. Go Rockets. Just saying. See, Josh said not a bad thing. See, this is what I'm saying. Josh. That's what I'm saying. Uh, we Ugh. had a question from Jennifer. She said, how does someone go about getting a Latin mass started at your parish? Is it as simple as asking your parish priest to have one? It could be. It could be. Uh, just depends on your priest and your diocese. Uh, not familiar with your situation in particular, Jennifer. If your priest already knows Latin mass, it would be as simple as letting him know that there are uh, faithful who want Latin mass. And uh, most priests would be willing to uh, do that for you. And if he's a good priest who, uh, you know, loves his faithful and uh, wants to do uh, help his faithful grow in holiness, then uh, and he doesn't know Latin or the Latin mass. Most priests that I know that um, that do not know Latin mass, if approached, they are willing to learn. I have talked to a number of priests who told me that, yeah, I mean, if, if there was a group of students that wanted to at uh, university, they said, uh, yeah, if there was a group of students who wanted the Latin mass and there was no other way them to receive it here, then uh, I would learn it. And he said, but otherwise, I really don't have an incentive to learn it. And so, yes, ask your parish priest. And if not that, well, there are some priests that are against Latin Mass or are hostile to it and to change. Or if their bishop is anti-Latin Mass, um, then that's when things get more difficult and it becomes a very huge chore. Uh, We have a friend here in Houston who has a lot of experience with this. And maybe we can have her on to talk about how to start Latin Masses. Yeah, yeah. Amen. I was going to say, although having lived in different places around the country, Houston is very, very friendly to the Latin Mass, more so than other places. Um, and so I would say try to um, I would say find a Latin Mass on your own so you can get used to it. And then maybe you can find a community that can help you start that in your own parish. But um, there has to be a demand for it. Definitely. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God. And I, as the point I made during the What's Concerning Us, when we were talking about the Latin Mass and the uh, article from the Jesuit that wants to ban it and prevent young people from attending it, it's because many young people are, are flocked to, uh, they're attracted to um, the, the patrimony, the beautiful teaching, the liturgy of the church, uh, and there's a good reason for it. So seeing those communities grow should be a blessing to all Catholics, not just the ones that attend the Latin Mass, but all Catholics of good faith uh, should step back, see it, and go, that's beautiful. That young people in the face of so much crazy and chaos and peer pressure and pop culture are growing a greater devotion and love and piety for the faith through the, the traditional Latin communities. Uh, we should give God praise for that, not try to stop it, stall it, or impede it in any way. Uh, at any rate, uh, our friend Don Adrian has come to your rescue, apparently. Yes, I saw that. Um, he, uh, since you somehow... The in-house resident Java oil expert didn't know much about it. It's strange how that works. Don has provided some information to us. He says the two main types of the two main types are Siri uh, Sri Lanka, forgive me, Sri Lanka citronella oil and Java citronella oil. Citronella oil is most commonly used as a mosquito repellent in foods and beverages. Citronella oil is used as a flavoring. Okay, that's weird. Uh, in manufacturing, citronella oil is used as a fragrance in cosmetics and soap. I'm, I don't know that I love the smell of citronella oil. I don't know what citronella oil is. Mus- you never had the citronella oil burners for keeping mosquitoes away? No. Really? Have you been camping? No. Have you ever like <laughs> slept outdoors ever in your entire life? Yes. Well, praise God, then you must know. <laughs> no. What? I have this thing called bug spray. <laughs> okay. Don't tell your parents. Modern, that. modern society. I, I bet your mother would not approve. If I called her right now, 
I bet she would not approve of you bug using spray? bug spray. Ah, she'd be fine. No. Come on now. I'll call her. Yes, please. Let's get her on the air. I want to have this conversation. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be funny, actually. Uh, Thank you, Don. See. Thanks for the information. Praise be to God. Valerie said, Elijah Medina loves the Jesus song. So praise be to God. <laughs> Elijah. That. Remember, Eli- Elijah's played our Fear and Trembling, Fear and Trembling game show. It would be good to have him back on. It's been a while. And let's see. Jesus said he loves the Aquinas comment about everything is as straw. Thank you, Jesus, for noting the uh, the brilliance of my uh, uh, my references. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Okay. Josh. Truth in advertising, Jesus has to because he's being paid by Adrian. Uh, why, why do you tell people that? <laughs> because it, I'm required it's, to. It's, it, it, this FTC was, requirements. Oh, but if nobody knows, okay. it's fine. Is it? Oh. Mm. Uh, Chris said, why don't you just ask the bishop? Uh, Josh <laughs> said, bishop is the last person I'd ask. Uh, yes, unfortunately... Um, Chris, not not all dioceses have uh, good bishops. Um, you are very privileged to have uh, Bishop Lobes as your bishop. He's uh, Chris is with the uh, personal ordinary of the chair of St. Peter, and they have uh, Bishop Lobes, who's a really good bishop there. Although I don't I don't really know how what the situation is with the uh, ordinariate in the Latin Mass. Honestly. You know, I was just thinking as you said that, like, wow, I don't think that they would allow that. The Samorum Pontificum, would it be possible? For a, a priest in the personal ordinary of the chair of St. Peter to say a Latin Mass. I mean, technically speaking, yes. Uh, there, huh. The the Samorum Pontificum gave complete permission to all priests in the entire world to say the Latin Mass without having to ask permission from anyone. Um, the problem is that... It's not their charism in the ordinariate. Right. Yeah. So it's not their charism in the ordinariate. Mm-hmm. Because they say a private Mass in Latin. Surely, yes. Of course, yes. Yeah. So, like that's like, like I'm saying, like the the rule is that anybody, any prelate in the you know, in uh, the world that are a Catholic have permission to do the Latin Mass. The problem is that they uh, don't have, practically speaking, permission. So, technically, they do have permission uh, universally, but in practical sense, a lot of these rules kind of don't actually work the way they should work, and so. Uh, bishops and religious orders, religious superiors will tell people, no, you're not allowed to do the Latin Mass, even though the Samoran Pontificum has given that right to people. And we saw that with the Jesuit uh, that we talked about uh, this morning, how he was saying how, oh, yeah, the bishops had permission to uh, to ban Latin Masses. And Pope Benedict came out and said, no, the Latin Mass was never banned. You yeah. always had permission, and you always will have permission. And, uh, and then that we are where we are. So it's a very complicated situation, but technically speaking, yeah, every priest can say Latin Mass. They have permission from the whole Roman pontiff. Yeah, wild. Praise be to God. Um, Kennedy Hall was a good guest today. We had a great conversation. Yes, I like Kennedy Hall. I got to get his book. I've never read his book. I actually bought both of his books for my dad. Um, so for Christmas, I think I bought Terror of Demons, which is his book on catholic masculinity and then i bought his book um i think it's called family be damned and basically it's a book that's he's writing it in the style of uh screw tape letters and so he said well i really like the screw tape letters and i i personally like screw tape letters as well i recommend it to everybody but he said the problem with screw tape letters is uh that c.s lewis was an anglican and so there wasn't <laughs> there was not perfect angelology study of the angels and so he wrote this one to apply to modern times 
and to have Catholic theology mixed into it as well. And so that's uh, was his intention in writing it. And uh, one of the things that about it, I won't spoil anything for it, but one of the things about it is that he, uh, in the book, it's how the uh, the devil attacks and destroys families, especially uh, during times of isolation, and uh, especially considering the times of COVID. He said, especially in times of isolation, how the devil will creep in and start to move things around and start to uh, manipulate uh, families. So it's mm-hmm. very interesting in that sense. Uh, so it's a I highly recommend Kennedy Hall's books. <laughs> yeah, you know, Into the Breach also um, is a very good resource just for, uh, you know for basic primer for guys to get into. I, I encourage every man to read Into the Breach by Bishop Olmsted. Very good book. You know, essentially, you are the wall that protects your family, your wife and your children, <clears throat> even your property, if you want to think of it in those terms, too. So your state of grace is a direct, uh, it's a direct action weapon against the devil and the diabolic. So living in a state of grace, being a perpetual, uh, you know, no, hashtag no sin gang member is important for every married man in particular. Every man on planet Earth, for sure. But in, you know, for married men, oof. And your wife and kids, they really need you to stand strong. Pray your, your, your uh, pious prayers every single day, the Holy Rosary, of course, and other devotions. But going to confession very frequently, living in a state of grace, examining your conscience every night, reading sacred scripture, lives of the saints. It's very, very important. And um, there's some great resources out there. Kennedy Hall's book sounds wonderful. i got to get it. But I would also get uh, – it's published by Tan – and it's, it includes Bishop Olmsted's uh, Into the Breach, as well as a bunch of other content that he also wrote about, like the lives of the saints, pious practices, um, some tips and tricks and stuff for men, and a lot more content. And you can find it, uh, just search for Bishop Olmsted on TAN Publishing and their website. You'll find the book. It's really good. I yes. recommend it. One of the things uh, that I love about traditional parishes <laughs> Um, if you go to like 99% of Latin mass parishes that I've been to, um, and I'm trying to think of any that I've been to that didn't have this case, but almost all the uh, Latin mass parishes that I've been to have confessions nearly every day and, uh, and on Sundays before mass. And that's, I find, to be incredibly important, incredibly, incredibly important, because like we've been talking about, confession is so important for our lives in order to get to heaven in order to live holy lives. And we have to get to confession often. And uh, and also for children, you know how difficult it is as a child to tell your parents, hey, mom, uh, can you take me to confession? And obviously as a parent, you're thinking, well, I mean, if my parent, if my child asked, I'd take them. No, no big deal. But as a child, it's difficult to uh, admit that you uh, need to go to confession. Mm. And so it's so much easier if you have a parish where the child can just get up and get in line and go to confession whenever he wants, uh, because then you don't have the the pressure. That pressure there, it's uh, it's just available to you to be able to go to confession. I find that very important, and um, it, it's one of the beneficial things. And John Paul II talked about this often. How he said, I guess not often. He's mentioned it in one of his books. I forget which one. He um, mentions if you have two priests or multiple priests at a parish, while one priest is saying mass. Uh, the other should not be con-celebrating, but instead should actually be in the confessional. Mm. Uh, it's very important. So that's why a lot of traditional parishes have confessions going on during Mass. You know, the only problem I have with confession at, uh, at traditional communities is all the sinners in line in front of me, like really making it harder for me to get, you know, to get in on time. 
Like, if only they would just, you know, live in a state of grace so that I would have more access, I'd be happier, right? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. See I'm going mm-hmm. with that? <laughs> I'm following. It's always the worst. Have you ever been the last person? Yes. Twice. Or before the last twice. person. That's it? So Only uh, twice? Okay. Well, in both occasions, I waited in line for more than an hour and a half. And I was the next person waiting for the door to open. And when it did, Father comes out and says, I'm sorry, I have to go. I said, thanks, Father. He's like, I've only been in here for an hour and a half. Now I got something else to confess next time. <laughs> That's happened but to me twice in the past yes. month. Oh, yeah. Um, it's happened to me la- twice in the past month, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I'm, I'm glad people are going to confession. Yeah, it was, that was a hard pill to swallow, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what blows my mind. Cause like, oh, okay. So there's another thing that I've noticed at traditional parishes, you'll have, um, people just not go up to receive communion. It's pretty normal because people are recognized they're not properly disposed to receive communion either because they're in a state of mortal sin or because they're just not properly disposed. Maybe they're distracted to the point that they're like, you know, maybe I shouldn't receive communion today. And, um, and it's normal. And so it's not, a shameful thing. So I know as a child and uh, sorry, parents, my parents, if you're uh, listening to this. Uh, so I know as a child, when I was a kid, uh, if I was in a state of mortal sin, I had been to confession then, uh, and I was going up to receive communion. It would be too awkward for me to not receive communion. Cause then my parents would be like, Oh, why, why didn't you receive communion today? And I'm like, <laughs> and then it, then I get, get a whole conversation going and, uh, that that's no bueno. So I would, uh, as a child, I would go and receive communion to state of mortal sin, wow. and uh, and that's that's a problem. And so we need to cultivate in our children and in our families and in your parish a a normalcy to not receive communion every Sunday. So yeah. people, a lot of people a only receive communion every Sunday because they feel like they have to. And so people go up and receive communion in a state of mortal sin, and that's yeah. not good. I had a great conversation with one of my sons recently who uh, wasn't receiving communion. And uh, we had a wonderful conversation. He told me because he had made his confession and, and he, his conscience was, uh, was such that he felt like he couldn't, uh, he couldn't go and present himself. And I, I was so proud of him, man. I was like, man, I am so proud of you. That took, must have taken uh, great courage on your part to, um, to abstain and, uh, because you knew that you shouldn't present yourself to Holy Communion in a state unworthy, right? St. Paul warns us of that in his letter to the Corinthians. So, powerful opportunity for parents to have conversation around what is the sacrament, why does it matter, and um, and how we're supposed to live it. And we have to model it, right? We have to be caught. Like, I, when I tell the story of the saints, I like, uh, like uh, the parents of uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, the Martins, I love telling their story because they were so heroic in their, in their example uh, to their kids. That's why their kids turned out amazing. That's why one of their kids is a canonized saint of the church, because their parents were amazing. It's, you know, saints don't grow on trees. Saints, like priests and religious, they come from families. And sometimes great saints and religious come from terrible families, that's true. But a lot of saints come from very, I mean, one of the common things I read in the lives of the saints is they come from a pious family. Like, that's a line I read a lot, because that's the case. So, uh, getting caught reading sacred scripture, getting caught praying, getting caught uh, going to confession frequently, getting caught doing the, uh, uh, living the life in front of your kids is very important. The Martins, they would get up, crack of dawn, everybody would get up too, they'd take their whole family to daily mass, 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. 
and they had money. They were they weren't they weren't poor by any stretch of the imagination. They were upper middle class, you could say. And they chose to uh, abstain from certain luxury items because they needed more penance in their life. Uh, you know, Mrs. Martin would walk miles per day to go visit her her baby who was with a nursing maid in order to care for her her child back and forth miles. She, and she had a successful business. She ran a business in the 19th century. She checked the stock market every day, read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, you know, type of papers for her day uh, in France. <clears throat> and, um, and still lived incredibly heroic life. They fed the poor in front of their kids. So heroic witness for parents is an important uh, aspect of raising great kids. And um, I think it's a wonderful thing, especially if you have a conversation around the sacrament of confession with your children on why it matters that they should go to, to uh, confession very frequently and then abstain from the Holy, Holy Communion if they have not. Valerie, she says, quote, I sit between my eight-year-old and my mother. I don't want to tell, tell either of them. Tell them what? What is, what is she referring to? Does anybody know? Uh, maybe about receiving communion or I don't ah, know. Ah, I got it. I'm not sure. We should have, best priest I've ever heard talk about confession is Father David Hust. We should have him on to talk about the etiquette of confession. Book him next week. Let's get him on next week. He's so good. Uh, between you and I, best confessor I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, praise be to God. You know who else I hope to have on soon? It's James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. That is exciting. Isn't it? And Dale Alquist. Yeah. I saw, I actually connected with Dale Alquist yesterday as well. Really? I did. Yes. That's awkward. Uh, it is, considering <laughs> I'm the guy who's most critical about G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. Yeah, that it, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest. Kind of surprised. It's going to go down when he's on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to go down. Uh, we can have, <laughs> hashtag we can have Chris call gang it. up. <laughs> it's going to be rough. Uh, but uh, now James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, they're doing some incredible work. We've had a couple of people on from Project Veritas. I've always wanted to have James O'Keefe as the guest. Uh, so far, that's not happened, but we're hoping to change that. So praise God, we hope to get him on. Let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, Dale is a convert. Yeah, I think I knew that. I think I knew that. I think I knew that. Praise be God. It's not, <laughs> Josh. It's, it's not that. It's not that. G.K. Chesterton isn't a good writer. Of course, he's or an amazing. He's one. he's decent. I or grant great. it. I I concede the or point brilliant. that he's you know sufficient. Uh, the problem I have with Chesterton is when I read his writing, I, I have this overwhelming sentiment in my heart that says, it's no, rather screams, can you please get to the point? That's more like JP2. JP2 talks in circles all the time. He says the same thing he like nine times. He talks about the point times. and nothing but the point. <laughs> he says it like 20 times in the same chapter, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, Josh I, said... I like Benedict I XVI's a, writing, just before you move on. I just, Benedict XVI, very clear. I like it. Anyway, go on. Josh said, I'm surprised James O'Keefe is still alive, to be honest. He made himself a very dangerous man. Yes, he yeah, did. That's true. Yeah, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty uh, We guy. had uh, Chris Velasquez is heading off to work. Bye, Chris. Have a great day, God Chris. Love you. God love you, Chris. We're about to sign off here in a moment as well. Um, praise be to God. So tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to have Dana Cheng back on the show. Now, we've had her on before. It's been, what, two, three months? Uh, I think more than that, to be honest. I think it might have been... Before was, the new year. Yeah, very, very early on. She is the like the chief editor of Epic Times, Epoch Times, however you wish to say that. Um, their, their 
printing facility in Hong Kong just got ransacked. There's some crazy video of these thugs breaking in and with sledgehammers just trying to destroy the place. They're like one of the last few outlets in Hong Kong that still report news in a way that isn't just a, uh, a you know, sort of an extension of, of CCP China. So they're a big target. They've been attacked, I want to say, five times since the year 2000 when they were first established there. And it gets crazier all the time. But that's, that's not necessarily what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the South China Sea. Things are seriously heating up over there. And it feels like a powder keg, right? Like things could go bad very quickly there. And I'm predicting that if they do go get into military conflict, um, you have the, you have the Navy. Uh, our Navy is over there with the fleet. You've got Japan on ready. The Philippines is on standby. Uh, there's a lot of actors all over the world that are just like, if things go down, it's going to get big fast. Russia is threatening to invade Ukraine um in a you know next few weeks or so so there is a lot of tension around the world there's there's reports and rumors of hungary uh making a secret deal with with uh moscow to leave um the uh you know the, the the allied forces nato forces in europe in order to sweeten a deal with russia in preparation for an invasion of Ukraine. I mean, these rumors are crazy. Rumors and, you know, the rumors of wars and rumors of wars kind of thing. Well, we want to get the information from Dana Chang about the South China Sea. What is actually going on there? Will there be war or is this all just, you know, like peacocks parading around? You know, I hope it's that, not the former, but we'll have to see. Dana Chang is a great guest, very insightful, expert, high level on the subject. She'll be on tomorrow's program to give us the goods. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's Catholic Drive Time. Thanks for hanging out with us in the after show, being silly. All the inside jokes are super fun, but we're very grateful to you for being a part of our show and our family. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for two more hours of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then. Thank you for joining us.